0: Welcome to a new episode of our podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Agustina, and today I'm joined with Christoph Pope and Hector Sandoval. So how are you?
1: Very well. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you for coming here.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: So I'm going to introduce them. Héctor has more than 30 years in the aviation industry. He has worked in different areas ranging from commercial to strategy to human resources. During 2008, he was director of emergencies, responsible for activating the emergency plan following flight JK5022's accident. Since 2010, he works as a consultant for leadership, corporative communication, and crisis management. Did I miss anything, Héctor?
2: No, that sums it up pretty well. Thank you.
0: And Christoph has more than 30 years of experience in the aviation industry as well. He was country manager at United Airlines in Argentina until the past September. He currently lives in Chicago, where he works as an independent consultant. Christoph has also been very close and supportive to the SABF community. Did I miss anything? No, thank you.
1: Thank you, Agustina. Thank you for the introduction.
0: Okay, so let's start with the questions, right? Mm hmm. So, Let's start by the obvious one, which is, how was the industry affected by this context?
2: You want to go first, Christoph?
1: How, however you want, but let, let's just get started with the, the introduction. I think the the, um, the COVID crisis um, has uh, had, had a pretty deep impact on the industry, as as we've all seen. The, the impact uh, started late February of uh, 2020 and very quickly, um, Transitioned across across the world to reach a point in which mid March most of the airlines has, had either um, reduced uh, started reducing operations or their demand had plummeted uh, across across uh, across the world. Um, different regions moved at different times, but ultimately in February, uh, from February to April, most of the uh, demand dried up, and airlines pretty much had to had to go into crisis crisis mode.
2: Yeah, I can underscore what Christoph has just said. And I wanted to just let you guys know a little bit about the context of where this crisis hit the overall tourism business in Spain. And and I think it's interesting just to frame some basic facts for for people out there. In 2019, Spain achieved a record in terms of number of visitors that arrived in the country, had almost 84 million people coming to Spain. It was the second most visited country after France and above the U.S. In Spain, for the last 40, 50 years, uh, the tourism business, which would include hotels, the airports and ports, all the infrastructure and ancillary services that that serve the tourists, accounts for approximately 12% of its GDP and about 13.5% of all employment. And a more focus context, the Balearic Islands, which is where I'm living, the, the four Balearic Islands are Mallorca, Menorca, and Formentera, it is definitely one of the jewels of the tourism crowd in Spain. Uh, the four Balearic Islands achieved last year also a record in terms of number of visitors with more than 13.5 million people. And what was really very impressive um, is that we had an approximate average contribution of each one of those 13.5 million visitors of about a thousand euros per visitor. So that was really very impressive in terms of the volume of revenue and the annual spend, as well as the number of people that we managed to get into the four islands. Like Christoph was saying, when COVID hit the Spanish uh, territory and the emergency state was declared on the 14th of March, That's basically when the tourism season is off to a start. We start with the preliminaries before the Easter break. Then during the Easter break, we start ramping up. And through the summer months, particularly July, August, and September, we achieve the peak of the peaks. And it starts to come down naturally in most of the seasons around October and towards the mid of November. We would pretty much declare the season to be over. So I can tell you that Uh, because of the lockdown of almost two months that we had uh, with no activity in terms of tourism visitors except for any emergency repatriation flights and the gradual ramp-up of domestic flights in May, regional European flights in June, and towards July and August, we started to get some more international activity. Even with that gradual ramp-up, the figures suggest that from January to October of 2020, Compared to last year's volumes, we've only achieved 20% of the number of visitors. So that tells you all the story that there is to see in terms of the shocking numbers. I Means that 80% of the activity is gone. It's not going to be recovered. The the season is pretty much over, and now we begin to prepare for what would be the 2021 season, which will officially begin again in March. So we're facing. In addition to all the economic impact, the unemployment that is going to result as as, as part of this uh, decline, brutal decline in demand, these certain uh, issues that need to be taken care of in terms of providing safe and secure travel options for for the customers and the travelers, and um, we now face a very uh, tremendous challenge, as I'm sure everybody around the world that depends on tourism or any, you know, customer front activities will will probably be sharing around the world.
1: I, was, you know, I, I think Hector uh, highlights something that I think is important to stress to your audience. Um, and we're seeing through COVID, the, the multiplier impact that the aviation industry and travel has on the overall economy is not only uh, something that has a tremendous, a dramatic effect on on places like uh, like Spain that that whose number one industry is tourism, inbound tourism, but also around commerce. As you can imagine, limiting the amount of, of travel and restricting travel and controlling borders and limiting the amount of people that transact between places has a tremendous impact on 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 all aspects of business, of cultural exchange, of activities. I mean, even SABS's conference had to be virtual throughout 2019, right? Uh, And that had a tremendous impact across across all your organizations. So extrapolate that across all the economic sectors of any business. Today, we live in such a globalized environment that a disruption to travel uh, has a complete disruption across the economy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... What I was thinking before we started this interview is that my family also works in the travel industry. So I'm very familiar and it's very close to my heart, all of this that is happening worldwide. Mm -hmm. And it's almost paradoxical this that happened with COVID because it separated the world so much in the sense that we could not move from our hometowns or wherever we were, but it brought us together or at least the people in the industry of travel and aviation in the sense that everyone was hit almost in the same way. So I think that there are many things to take away from this, but when you're living it in the moment, it is quite a terrible situation. And well, I say it because Mm -hmm. of my family and also because of what I'm seeing in the news and stuff. So
1: and you, and you can see that in the reaction that the companies uh, across, across the world have taken. I mean, the lev- airlines are very used to handling crises and, and Hector uh, uh, specializes in this. But I, I'll, I'll mention that in the sense that it, it's such a dynamic business that change and constant disruption is in the DNA of any airline. And when you see how the industry reacted as quickly as it did in... Um, parking airplanes reducing um, reducing their their uh, their fixed costs renegotiating leases as quickly as possible, starting to work with their unions to reduce fixed costs. think about the fact that airlines are primarily fixed costs, so any cost reduction requires a significant amount of of effort and and disruption in the whole ecosystem and when you look at having to do that at the same time that you 're trying to run an airline and an operation in a Completely disrupted environment requires a tremendous amount of collaboration and teamwork, and and you're absolutely right. This this has brought the industry together across all the players. Uh, it's it's evident across across places everywhere in the world.
0: Yeah, totally. And which processes do you think that were accelerated due to this situation? If there were some,
1: well, um, a lot of the digitalization. This is happening across across many industries and, 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 and the airline industry in general has been um, pioneer in digitizing and, and, and moving towards a, um, an electronic environment. You're seeing a lot of those processes shifting away from touch from touch environments. So everything right now across across the world in the airlines is trying to involve in situations in which customers do not engage with screens, do not touch screens, do not touch surfaces, do not have contact with employees um there's a significant amount of effort being done around the cleaning and the and the um, upkeeping of the aircraft to keep it as sanitized as possible um, and you're seeing um, companies uh, establish new protocols in a very short period of time to ensure that their 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 processes are are, are spotless clean and sanitized to pr- bring customer confidence um, in customer com- driving customer confidence is the key of, of this transition period that we will be living through until until we pass the crisis of covid and the vaccine is completely deployed um and I think airlines are doing tremendously well in creating an environment of of safety and co- and confidence by consumers I mean the airplanes have been proven to be, one of the safest non-spreading environments given the, the way the air flows and the filters, air filters that the airplane has, but yet uh, travelers are, are hesitant around getting to the airport, transacting through the airport, getting off the airport, going to a hotel, etc. And some countries have established these bubble concepts, which I think are, are worth um, continuing to explore. And one of those things probably will be accelerated to this process in one in which, Passengers boarding an airplane are tested ahead of boarding. They are all "quote unquote" safe through the whole process. Upon arrival, they continue to maintain safe safety and and and, and continue to engage together to reach a point in which maybe they're going to a hotel that is is uh, um, segregated for them and separated for them. So they be, they they. They transact in this whole bottle concept. Some of that was explored between Spain and, and the UK with significant success, and maybe Hector can touch on that. And that's being replicated um, between the US and Hawaii, mainland US and Hawaii, uh, between London and New, and New York through a, through a test of one of the airlines. And I think this is going to evolve through a period of time in which we'll see this through the transition.
2: Yeah, I would like to add a few things to those comments. And, and maybe we can touch on the issue of leadership across nations, regions, and industries. As Christoph was saying, in the airline business, you, you are basically running a crisis management operation 24-7 because of the unexpected events that can take place for flight cancellations or flight delays or any number of you know, natural weather issues that can disrupt the schedule. So the airline business, I think, has really modeled very well for a number of other industries and quite frankly for any kind of governance, public governance to be frank, how you should be anticipating, preparing and not reacting when it's too late. So to some of the points that Krista was making, I think that uh, you know we all have witnessed with some dismay that pretty much every country with just a handful of exceptions were not prepared to deal with a pandemic of this uh, you know, scope and, 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 and scale. And it is reflected on the inconsistency of how you apply procedures and standards and regulations. So while, for example, the airline industry has really uh, stepped up to the plate by creating these standards for customer confidence and to ensure that people can travel under a safe and clean and hygienic environment, I think the airports are also doing a very good uh, job on that account. You have all the other players, i.e. the authorities and the governments and the regulators, who are having not such a standard approach to managing the crisis. So we have very inconsistent applications of rules and regulations and restrictions. and as a result of that, you know in Europe, we're going through our second wave of COVID. Um, I think it wasn't a surprise since, you know, we relaxed the mobility of people between the months of May and June and July. So it was to be expected that through July, August, September, October, and through the end of the year, we were going to have a second wave. That was basically a natural uh, conclusion for that exercise. And yet um, we see that in terms of travel and tourism, this caught many authorities off guard, so they started to apply very different criteria, even within the same country. Um, I was planning a business trip to Barcelona, which is just half an hour away from where I live, and now we haven't been been able to lock down a date because the rules of do you need to be quarantined when you arrive, do you need to be quarantined when you return, do you need to show a paper when you leave, do you need to show a paper when you enter, all those things are not being observed with a common standard. So I think that One of the challenges that I see forward, you know, not just in terms of reactivating the the travel and tourism industry, but to reactivate all the economic sectors and all the activity that we're all missing pre-COVID is for, you know, countries and regions and all of the entities that have a responsibility towards governance of the population to have a drive towards common standards, common approaches, and consistent um, views on how you manage the crisis, because to the extent that we have that commonality of approaches, we will be more successful in accelerating people's return to jobs, people's return to the sense of confidence that they can use the services that they were uh, longing for before March. And I hope that that will be something that, with the um, you know changes in political climates around the world, we, we may get to see some, some of that leadership that I am missing uh, to just start shaping up towards this next year, which is gonna be very critical.
1: One of the things I'm uh, borrowing from, from what Exeter's comment is, I think it, and might be interesting to your audience since you have so many entrepreneurs and young entrepreneurs wanting to uh, think about new innovation and new ideas. There's a void and there will be a void um, of information and validation of information. That presents an opportunity for businesses and and, and uh, designer solutions to be able to certify that someone who has been vaccinated or someone who has been tested and does and doesn't have um, um, the the risk of, of, of contagion is able to certify in front of an airline and in front of authorities through a certified process the fact that they have been vaccinated and the fact that or the fact that they are they are Im- are immune. Uh, We see this today through passports and visas, and that's a process that required decades of processes and and international standards to be developed. We don't have that time through the process of establishing these, uh, these vaccination certifications. Someone needs to come in the middle through technology and ensuring that once you're tested or you have been vaccinated in country A, that you're able to display a... Certificate in your phone or in some other in some other manner, that every single touch point through the process, whether it's the immigration's agent, whether it's the airline, the arrival customs officer, the hotel where they're checking you in, et cetera, is able to validate that that test on your phone against a central repository, whether it's using a centralized database, or blockchain, or some other technology to ensure that that person is actually certified and tested. If not, anybody can present a piece of paper that says you've been, you've been vaccinated, but that has no legal boundaries. Some, there is a void here, and some companies are starting to explore that but um, there, there's so many solutions that are possible and so many standards that can be implemented and the time is very, very short. So any, any innovation in this area is probably going to be disruptive and, and supportive to the industry.
0: Yeah, totally. And as the phrase says that one crisis presents a million opportunities, and you just mentioned one of them, um, do you have any ideas of any other opportunities that can emerge from this crisis?
1: One, I think one of the things that we that that may not be as sexy, but is critical for the industry to figure out a way, is the airline industry. Given the burden of of co- fixed costs that it has, it has to find a way at a new structure uh, in their in their economics and with their f- vendors in a way in which it can transform a significant amount of fixed cost into variable costing. And I think those. T- the two largest areas, I mean, the three largest expense c- categories that airlines have are fuel. That is a variable cost in general and just based on international pricing, there's very little an airline can do other than hedging. Uh, number two is, is labor and having labor organizations and unions being much more flexible in creating environments in which they can adjust as time progresses and ramp up as time increases, I think is, is very is, is going to be very positive for the industry. Unions in general are, have established very good guidelines on how to ramp down. It is very challenging to ramp up and very costly to ramp up, especially with the pilots. And you're seeing a lot of new concepts being being developed in the United States through labor negotiations, very creative labor negotiations that hopefully are going to, to expand to the future. And the third area I think is 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 this area of, of aircraft leasing. A lot of the aircraft leasing today is a large cost that the airline absorbs, whether it flies the airplane or not. And we're seeing a lot of other models moving around in the world in other in other sectors in which there is variable pricing for use and you only pay what you use. And potentially if if, if uh, lessers are going to be wanting to um, get back into business in some time in the future as the industry ramps up um, in the future, some additional variable pricing and variable demand pricing is probably going to be a good support for the airline industry and a good transformation. It's not sexy, but it's structural changes like that are required to make this industry uh, adaptable to crises like these. I'd also like to point out a real
2: opportunity to also think through the kind of leadership skills that are going to be necessary to bring the entire planet through this crisis into a more effective way of communicating and organizing and dealing with such unplanned unprecedented events in a way in which, you know, the stakeholders feel uh, better communicated to, better listened to, um, more involved in decision-making. So just to give you a quick example, so I was saying that in Mallorca, just Mallorca alone, you know, we have approximately 1,500 hotel properties with a wide range of quality and services. And it's about 1,500 different properties of which only two or 300 were basically open during the year. Now, I was expecting, for example, that with such a deep effect of the drop of demand and the potential you know, loss of many businesses and, and, and many jobs, that there would be a, a central national leadership agenda with a clear strategy and a path forward to bring the entire supply chain of hotels and ground transportation and restaurants and every other industry that could be participating in this, uh, in this value chain of the travel and tourism industry and try to come together with a, a good analysis of the current situation, what needs to be addressed in the short, mid and long term and how to come together with a action plan And it is now basically the middle of November, and there has been no such initiative by the central government or by the regional government. Only a couple of days ago, there was a high-level meeting between a number of hotel proprietors that basically represent some of the large chain hotels and some of the global brands, but not the majority of these family-run businesses, which are very fragmented. So I'm afraid that here we are in November, they have set the goal to begin the planning of the new season to start in March of 2021. There are many issues to be addressed. Again, what Christoph was suggesting, we need technology and innovation to be able to provide rapid testing, contact tracing, and and everything done in the most seamless manner through all of the different stages of your journey. And it is not being applied right now uh, in any way that we see that by March of next year, we are going to have a much more successful season than this year. So I think that for those of you who are, are listening and are focusing your path into developing yourselves to be good managers and good you know, business leaders and good innovators and entrepreneurs, I would also encourage you to think a little bit about the necessary leadership skills that are so absent in a global crisis like this, we could really name five or six different world leaders that have really stepped up to the plate and have given us a really clear example of what 21st century leadership means. Because, uh, and I really am you know, not proud to say this, but what we're seeing in the 21st century is that most leaders in you know local, national governments, as well as many industries and businesses are still applying Mid 20th century leadership skills, and that needs to be addressed uh, very quickly. And I think the the pandemic, the COVID crisis, can create an environment where people can think about that. And hopefully, we can, you know, support efforts like that to um, give people those tools and skills to better deal with these crises in the future.
0: Yeah, totally. And that really connects with our mission at SABF. What you said about the leadership skills that were needed, you also mentioned how this crisis um, put in evidence the the management and the communication faults that we were having, uh, mainly in your industry, but also worldwide and across the different industries. So my final my final question was, how do you see the world reconnecting again, and. How do you see the leadership uh, changing in the different industries in a post uh, COVID nineteen world?
1: So a lot has been has been uh, said about how how um, all these technologies of com- communicating and and new uh, innovation of Zoom calls and things like that are uh, disrupting the business and I think and and travel and I think that is true, but I have to come back to the whole idea that humans have a need to connect, and have a physical need for connection. And and you're seeing this uh, translate even in the industry numbers today. If you look at who is trying to travel these days, where in those countries in which you're seeing travel uh, open, uh, it, it, it's two groups of people uh, primarily. Those, the, the people that um, are trying to reconnect with their families after so much time. So they need this family connection. They're seeking those opportunities to connect. And people who have to travel, you know, they have to have uh, somebody that's managing a particular project, or is in the healthcare sector, or in particular areas that they need to travel to manage through the crisis. Business owners who are trying to support their their own businesses in different in different areas are needing to travel to manage their their needs. That is going to expand as the as the vaccine and and and, and uh, other technologies come in to limit the impact of of the of COVID. But it is to be said that probably um, some of the business travel will not continue. People will continue to uh, engage through conference calls and, and Zoom calls and things like that. But there is there is something about the personal connection that I do believe is going to come back slowly. People are going to prefer to stay home and avoid you know three days out of out of their home or a week out of their office. But it's going to demonstrate that those companies and those 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 industries that are able to create better value through those connections and their personal connections are going to make a difference and at the end of the day if there's a salesman that needs to make a sale and a long long long-term contract and that personal contact is much more important in that business because it's a relationship business and needs to drive the relationship and trust that person is going to get on an airplane and go to make that sale and engage with their client virtually and the next time that other the competitor did not get on an airplane and travel to make that happen, they're going to reconsider that the next time because personal connections matter in all, in all aspects of life, as you see through the SABS BF conference. And, and there's this ramped up demand of people trying to reconnect that I think is going to remind us of the value of getting to know each other, getting to connect with each other, getting to know each other in our home countries, not through a, a Zoom call, but actually experiencing and living together our joint experiences and constructing from that. So I do believe that, that air travel uh, throughout time will, will, will get back to where, where it was. And hopefully these technologies will continue to exist as a basis to create those initial introductions, those initial engagements, similar to what conference calls, phone conference calls did before. Zoom calls are going to be the replacement for that. And, and ultimately travel is going to create the final connection through, through people, negotiations, contract deal making, sales, et cetera. So I do believe that uh, I am an optimist on, on the ultimate uh, return of travel and business travel in the industry.
2: I totally agree with Kristoff's view. I was reflecting that, you know, for pretty much my lifetime, the last 50 plus years, we have seen this unprecedented growth in terms of the availability of air travel, where it has become more accessible, more affordable, more efficient, more effective, and just within the last 20 years, you have seen this, this amazing development of uh, many routes that would have been uh, impossible to plan before the technology of the aircraft and engines that we have uh, operating today. So I think that I would sum it up as the fact that the pandemic has also shown us why, as, as Christoph was saying, as human beings, we need to experience things in person. There are many benefits to doing things remotely. There are many benefits to doing things from home. There are many benefits from, you know, taking advantage of technology to shorten some procedures and some processes. But at the end of the day, we we are human beings, and human beings need to experience things. Uh, the whole, whole planet is more connected than ever. And I think that everybody's missing that chance to travel for work or for personal or for family reasons. And I think that we have gained a lot of understanding of how, to, uh, you know, live with and overcome the virus. I think that's actually another good thing that we have seen in the last couple of days that, you know, the tracks for the vaccines are starting to yield a lot of uh, promising, you know, results. So it is conceivable that by the end of the year, at least, you know, two or three of those vaccines will start being uh, produced and distributed in a number of countries and by the middle of next year, we may see very large amounts of the population uh, having the ability to use a vaccine to start reclaiming some of those experiences that we're all missing. So I would also say that um, I'm hoping again that we take this opportunity as, as a planet, as, as a population, as a, as a species, to understand the nature for how something so unprecedented, so unplanned, so, um, in fact, if you think about the virus being microscopic, right, how it brought everything down to a halt. And so we need to have, you know, better approaches to governance, to leadership, to communication, more transparency, more empathy. And I hope that that can also be something that is not just used as a, you know, gimmick to bring people to new learning products, but that actually becomes part of the way that we do things in the future.
0: Absolutely. I absolutely agree with what both of you said. And as well as you said, I'm hoping for for this crisis to present a lot of opportunities and for people to take those opportunities. Um, I hope that we can meet in person someday when everything is restored, because it will be restored. And I want to thank you both very much for for sharing your experiences and for opening us this door to to what was happening in the in the industry. So thank you very thank much you, both. Augustina.
2: Thank you, Agustina, and I appreciate the opportunity to share with you this uh, uh, situation and our learnings and our experiences, and I wish you guys well. All the best. Thank you
0: very much. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure to join us on our next episode.